Lori Vallow has a new attorney. The Gilgo Beach murder suspect had quite a collection of firearms. The SBF trial update. The New York stabbing suspect is in custody and our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. Hit that little bell for notifications. And remember, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Well, we also have a new Instagram. If you'd like to see photos of today's little adventure in Valencia, go to Crime Talk Official, the Instagram page. I think that's what they call it. Mo's taking care of it, so... He's going to take care of that one, all right? But the bottom line is, yes, this is the uh, Crime Talk International Edition. Yet again, we continue the cruise through the Mediterranean, Valencia, tomorrow, Barcelona. But let's get to the docket for October 5th, 2023. And first on the docket, Lori Ballow has a new attorney, and he has filed an amended notice of appeal. Now, as you know, anyone's convicted of a crime in a criminal court in the United States has a right to an automatic appeal. And obviously, Lori Vallow is going to do that. Now, the preliminary statement in the amended notice of appeal remains the same. The issues. First, did the court err in its order dated April 11th, wherein the court found that the defendant, Lori Vallow, after spending 10 months in a mental hospital, was competent to stand trial. Next issue, did the court err in its order dated November 15th of 2022, wherein the court denied the defense expert's request to send the defendant back to the mental hospital rather than proceed to trial? And I think this is going to be the big issue. Was the defendant's constitutional and statutory right to a speedy trial violated by the government's repeated request for a continuance? Was the defendant's constitutional and statutory right to a speedy trial violated by the court's trial setting? And did the court err in denying the defense challenges for cause of trial jurors due to bias or hardship during jury selection? And did the government commit fundamental reversible error in its opening statement to the jury? Did the court err in allowing the government to produce evidence of other crimes or acts against Lori Vallow under Rule 404B. That's the evidence of other crimes, wrongs, or misconduct. And in this particular situation, constitutionally, if Lori Vallow wins, the case is probably dismissed against her. The evidence about all the other stuff coming in to show some sort of uh, pattern, absence of mistake, modus operandi, that's where courts get in trouble. And I've always said, if the government has a strong case, and let's face it, Lori Vallow got convicted. The government really didn't need the 404B evidence, but they always push it. And that's usually why it comes back. Why do cases come back on appeal? 404B evidence and jury instruction issues. Next, did the court err in allowing the jury to hear statements of co-conspirators, but then rule in jury instructions that the government need not prove those persons were part of the conspiracy? Interesting issue as well. Plus, when the grand jury indictment puts the defendant on notice that she is charged with a conspiracy involving five or more people, can the trial court ignore that finding and intercede, proceed, and instead, and instead proceed with standard conspiracy jury instructions? And did the government commit fundamental reversible error 
in its closing statements to the jury. And then finally, did the court err when it granted, without a hearing, the government's objection to the defense request for the review of all mitigation evidence submitted by the defense for sentencing? And should a new sentencing hearing be held due to the sentencing court not reviewing all the mitigation evidence submitted by the defense? And then did the sentencing court abuse its discretion by ordering the defendant to serve three consecutive fixed life sentences without parole? And did the sentencing court abuse its discretion when it ordered the defendant who had been found indigent, qualified for a public defender, and had just been ordered to serve life in prison without parole to pay $165,000 in fines and court costs? Now, they also, when they did the notice of amended appeal, they had to put in all the court dates beginning back on May 26 of 2021, and they had to indicate who the court reporter is. So who is this new attorney? The new attorney is a guy by the name of Craig Durham. Now, he is licensed to practice in both the state of Idaho as well as the federal courts there in Idaho, uh, specifically the Ninth Circuit and the United States Supreme Court. His current practice focuses on civil litigation and all phases of criminal defense, including trials, appeals, post-conviction parole, and habeas corpus matters. Let's face it, he is an appellate guy. Most appellate guys, really usually smart. And this guy, Mr. Durham, he was a staff attorney at the U.S. District Court in Boise for 10 years, and he worked closely with the federal judges on death penalty matters, as well as prisoners' civil rights cases. He's also been a trial and appellate uh, public defender as well. Graduate from law school, University of Kansas in 1996, and he is also a member of the Idaho Association of Criminal Defense Attorneys and the Idaho Trial Lawyers Association, which means he does some civil work as well. So, smart guy, gonna take on the new uh, role as Lori Vallow's new attorney. Now remember, on appellate cases only matters what is on the record, what has been submitted to court, what has been admitted into evidence. All the other stuff that you hear about on the evening news doesn't really matter. Only what's in the record. And why that is that significant? Oftentimes, people think, well, I want to supplement the record. This didn't get in. You don't get to add things you don't, you didn't introduce at trial. Um, you don't get to raise issues if they weren't uh, raised and or objected to on the record. Other than that, it's not coming in and you can't argue it. So we'll see when the briefs are finally file, filed, uh, which will probably be, I would say, eight months to a year down the road, we'll actually get to see what issues uh, the appellate attorney is the, believes is the strongest issue uh, at that time. Next on the docket, the Gilgo Beach murder suspect, Rex Hewerman, obviously we'll give him the presumption of innocence, well, apparently he may have some other legal issues down the road. Obviously, being charged with murder is his top priority, and these are insignificant in the big picture. But apparently, Mr. Hewerman had some 40 firearms and 10 high-capacity magazines that were seized from his house. And remember, these are the firearms that the wife wants back because they are of significant value. Now, apparently, this is the part that always gets me because I'm from Colorado, but apparently he had 26 unregistered handguns, 15 unregistered assault weapons, and 10 high-capacity magazines um, that appear to have been possessed in his home in violation of the penal code there in Suffolk County. I'm from Colorado. Nobody registers anything. You don't have to. 
So that's the part that always gets me when, oh, I have a registered firearm. They keep track of it when you buy it. Why would you have to go tell the government where it is? That's a little scary and creepy, but I guess the East Coast, that's the way they do things. Anyway, as we know, Hierman's been charged with uh, six counts of murders in the death of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Lynn Costello. And as part of that investigation, there were a total of 280 guns seized from his home, along with massive amounts of evidence, according to the prosecutors. Now, like I said, the weapons have been kind of the center of a legal battle with Hureman's wife, Asa, who wants them returned. Why? Because they're apparently collectibles. A lot of them go back to the Civil War, uh, both World War I and World War II, and she needs the money to support herself and her adult children. And obviously, uh, if anything was manufactured uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, it's not even considered a firearm under uh, federal law these days, so it shouldn't be an issue. But guess what, Miss Hureman, you're not getting those weapons. They were seized. They are now the issue of a potential criminal case. They will get them when the case is over if they are not ultimately destroyed. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, Mr. Hureman has much bigger problems, much bigger problems, I say, uh, because he's facing multiple counts of murder. Much bigger deal, that's for sure. Next on the docket, the Sam Bankman-Fried trial, the largest fraud trial in the history of the United States, is underway. And, well, obviously, Sam Bankman-Fried is charged with uh, using funds at his exchange, FTX, to uh, cover losses at his hedge fund. Yes, you cannot do that. You have to keep them separate. Otherwise, that is known as theft. Well, one of the first people that uh, testified was a developer at FTX, and he apparently was a friend uh, going back as far as college, a guy by the name of Adam Yedida, Y-E-D-I-D-A, Yedidia. Maybe that's it. I don't know. You tell me. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. Uh, but anyway, so Mr. Bram Frankman's uh, Freed's uh, college buddy took the stand. First, he found out that uh, he was dating um, the FTX CEO, Miss um, Ellison, and uh, Adam, his college buddy, said that was probably going to be a bad idea. But he also stated that kind of hurts all Sam Bankman Freed, that Sam Bankman Freed was involved in the uh, overall control of everything that took place with FTX. Now, obviously, Sam Bankman Freed is going to say, hey, I wasn't involved in any of that stuff. That's why I gave control over to her. And um, I was more involved in the big picture of doing the promotion work, big advertising issues, and trying to get you know people like uh, Tom Brady, Larry David, and uh, Giselle Budenchen, Tom Brady's ex-wife, to get involved in FTX to help people feel safe and secure with their funds, and therefore they would be safe. Didn't quite work out that way. We'll see how things go. This trial is expected to last some six weeks. And yes, the suspect in the stabbing in New York City has been arrested. The sad thing is, obviously, somebody is uh, deceased, and now we know who the suspect is. The suspect is an 18-year-old kid by the name of Brian Dowling. Now, this gentleman is, has some serious problems because why his crimes are on videotape. He's now also accused in the death of Ryan Carson, uh, who was stabbed three times as he and his girlfriend were waiting at a bus stop uh, to go home after attending a wedding. 
Well, the police have uh, recovered the knife. They're looking for the clothes worn by the suspect in the attack. Uh, but it's pretty clear, apparently, obviously, he's the guy. We'll give him the presumption of innocence. Uh, some people in law enforcement are saying the guy is mentally disturbed teen, but no excuse for stabbing somebody who is a completely innocent individual standing or sitting at a bus stop and basically being harassed and ultimately attacked for no reason other than just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So we'll continue to follow this case. Uh, Brian Dowling, I'm sure his defense attorneys will raise some sort of mental health defense to uh, try to save their client from going to prison for the rest of his life. But clearly he is a danger to the community and at least he is in custody. And then finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. How many times have I said, let it go, let it go? Well, let me give you an example of why you should do that. So after asking a McDonald's customer to buy him a Happy Meal and um, some other food at the restaurant, a North Dakota man pulled out a gun when his request was rejected and met with the suggestion of, quote, go get a job. All sounds good. Anyway, police were called to the local McDonald's on a report of terrorizing uh, uh, threats that were made, and the police busted a guy by the name of George Demarius. He was outside of the uh, restaurant there in Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, they also located a 9mm handgun, which Demarius had concealed in the stroller that had his one-year-old daughter seated in it as well. So according to the police affidavit, Trent Guthmiller was on break from work, walking into McDonald's to get lunch when Demarius asked him to buy him a Big Mac and a Happy Meal. Well, Mr. Guthmiller responded, like I said, to get a job. Guthmiller proceeded inside the restaurant where he stood in line, surrounded by innocent bystanders, some of which were children. And then Demarius allegedly followed Guthmiller into the McDonald's and pulled out a gun. Demarius then pointed the weapon at Mr. Guthmiller and said the victim had been disrespectful. Well, Demarius proceeded to call Guthmiller a son of a gun and uh, tells him to go F off before stowing the firearm back in his waistband and leaving the restaurant. Now, the uh, security footage corroborated Guthmiller's account of the confrontation, which police say left him in fear for his safety as well as the safety of those bystanders that were surrounding him. Yes, that is a menacing. Well, needless to say, Demarius was arrested for the uh, felony threats charge and he is on a $10,000 cash bond. What does that mean? Well, it means if you can't afford a Happy Meal, you're probably not going to make the $10,000 only bond. Which kind of goes back to the whole, let it go. Let it go, ladies and gentlemen. What do I, What is it also doesn't hurt to be nice. Yes, I get it. Go get a job. Or, hey, sorry, man, I can't help you. Whatever. Never hurts to be nice because these days you have to assume that somebody has a firearm. Some people say a polite community is created when people are all armed. You must assume they are these days. It's a scary, scary world. Use your common sense. Be smart. Try not to be a hero. All right. Okay. That's all we have for you today. We'll see how things go tomorrow if we do a show because we're coming from Barcelona. Have a busy day. We'll let you know. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.